Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The highest form of serving, whether it's as a therapist, a coach, a manager, if you're in a one-on-one serving kind of relationship with someone, the highest form of that is where you change who you're being to become exactly what they need you to be. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. One of the most important and underutilized aspects of developing any kind of new practice is examining the obstacles that tend to get in the way. So before we start exploring how to run development meetings that do work, we're going to use this episode to examine why most development meetings actually don't work. And hey, listen up, we've got a brand new live course starting soon, and it's a good one, so I don't want you to miss out. It's called The Art of Self-Management, How to Make Work Not Suck. If you're sick and tired of slogging through the week working for the man and feeling like you never make any real progress, then chances are this course could literally change your whole outlook on life. So let's face it, work really does suck a lot of the time, right? But it doesn't have to. In this 11-week course, I'll show you how to get your nagging boss off your back, how to nix your self-sabotaging ways, and how to start using your job to become the envy of all your friends and family. Like, truly and really change the way you relate to work so that you never again feel like you're stuck in the rat race. Sound impossible? Sign up for the course, and I'll prove to you that it's not. The course officially begins on September 6, 2018, but if you sign up before September 3rd, you can take advantage of early bird pricing, a full 50% discount. That's for the live course, weekly live coaching calls, and access to the private Slack group for students, not to mention a few special bonuses. So don't wait. Sign up before the 3rd. After that, the price goes up, and paying extra would totally suck. You can find out more at clearandopen.com slash work dash sucks dash course. All right, let's get started. Thanks for listening. So I'm excited about this because I I wrote a bunch of stuff last night in uh, preparation for this. And I looked at it, it's like, oh, well, you know, this is just a bunch of stuff, common mistakes and things to watch out for. And I thought, Instead of reading this, and maybe I'll I'll cover some of it today, and the rest I'll I'll put in the um, in the text of the course. But rather than going through this, tell me what you think doesn't work about development meetings. You've all had one-on-one meetings with employees, either on the receiving or giving end, or both. What doesn't work about them? What leaves you feeling like, okay, well, we did that for a half an hour, and that was a total waste of time, or that was a partial waste of time, or Okay, we did it another week. Am I doing it right? No. What what leaves you wanting more? Because therein will lie everything you need to know about how to make these things actually work. What doesn't work about them? As an employee, in what ways do you feel totally not served or lectured or talked down to or prodded or psychologically dissembled. 
thought that one might appeal to you, Sam. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm definitely a poster child for psychologically dissembled. <laughs> um, so, okay, so it's not happening now. I'm actually having great um, development meetings. But what I can identify what does work better than what had worked with the previous manager. Mm-hmm. What wasn't working then was that there was always this feeling like you're in trouble, mm-hmm. called to the woodshed. And the development meeting was kind of a how there wasn't a lot of development happening. There was a lot of you're doing A, B, C wrong for these reasons. A lot of talking points to action items to actually work on. Mm. And then you kind of walk away feeling like you're a jerk and then you have to do it again next week. That, that didn't, that doesn't work. Yikes. Wow. Well, well depicted as always, Sam. Just kind of digesting that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So now in development meetings I'm in now, there's very little guilt or shame or emotion involved. And it's more like, Hey, Sam, here are some things that I noticed. Talk to me about those things. Mm. Let's discuss them. Mm -hmm. And then how can we make it better? Because there's actual real business application reasons of why, why I'd like for you to do this and why you should want to do this. Well said. Okay. Great before and and after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there more? Well, I was just going to say that um, that works a lot better for me because it feels like there's something that... First, there's something I can grab onto and say, okay, this is the actual issue at hand. And then I feel armed to do something about it Mm -hmm. because I see like I actually really want my department to grow. I, I want these things for this company. So I can go, oh, yeah, you know what? I can see how that could get in the way of that. I can work on that. Thanks. Thanks for talking with me about it and not to me about it. Great distinction. Mm -hmm. So there was like six or eight principles that you mentioned in there. I don't know if I can remember them all, but uh, talking with versus to is a really nice distinction. I didn't even think of that that it's a, a conversation between two adults, right? Because you said something at the very beginning, the feeling of being in trouble. If you're ever talking to anybody in any situation and they feel like they're in trouble and they're in trouble with you, it, it had better be because you want them to feel in trouble. <laughs> because that's a last resort. Because when you feel like you're in trouble, you're teetering on the uh, edge of shame territory. Because in trouble, that brings us right to the fight or flight mechanism. That's like you're about to go to the principal's office, right? Where horrors of untold madness happen. Like what happens in the principal? Like you don't want to go to the principal's office. The guy is supposed to be your pal, right? Which is how you remember how to spell it. Or a gal. So the so much of management you can actually frame as avoiding making the person feel like they're in trouble. If you're just talking with them about what is going on and guarding against making them feel like they're in trouble, and that's all you do, that would be great. Because because of our authority projections, 
the minute the manager walks in the room, you feel like you're in trouble, right? So it's like when you're driving and you see a cop, you kind of like straighten up. <laughs> like, like they might pull you over for bad posture, right? You just like check, like, okay, am I both hands on the wheel? Like as if that, like as if they're looking for that, right? You just you feel like you might get in trouble. Am I doing anything wrong? Do I have any substances in my car? Right? You just like check all that out. Because why? Because there's a fear of getting in trouble. You don't look at the cop and go, well, I'm so glad they're there. I feel so safe and protected. And, you know, maybe I'll go give them a donut. You know, like that's not what crosses your mind first. <laughs> right? It's fear. And in some ways, police have earned that reputation, in other ways, not. It's certainly a co creation. But that's so as a manager, you accept and own the responsibility for the authority projections. And you go out of your way, just like I often say, good cops don't raise their voice. They don't assert their authority because they know they have it because they got a gun on their side. They don't need to assert it. It's the cops that do assert their authority that usually cause trouble. And usually it's one or the other. So a manager is constantly watching, how in trouble am I making this person feel? Because you've got a gun. Right? To use the pun, you can fire them whenever you want, right? They don't ever forget that. Maybe you do as the manager. Guess what's on your employee's mind all the time? And so, if that's your frame, if you really get it, and unfortunately for a lot of small business owners, it's been so long since they had a boss, maybe they never even had one. They forget sometimes what it's like. That's why, in one way, being a middle manager is really good because then you have a boss and you're constantly getting data about how it feels to have a boss and you can turn around and improve upon that with the people who report to you. The other thing you said that was really important, one sec, Peter, I'll mention this, uh, is that the you have the employee doing most of the talking, right? The the development meeting is not a venue for you to, you know, pull out your scroll of these are the deeds that you have done. You know, like you're reading a sentencing, and uh, and you know, here's what you did wrong, and here's how you're going to fix it. Good talk, you know, on your way. That's talking too, and this is where curiosity comes from. And one of the most important principles I think here that's really upstream is that a manager cares about the experience of their employee. A manager cares about the experience of their employee and is is taking responsibility for developing their career. So if you come from that place, a supervisor, that's the supervisor reads the list of things you did wrong. And you know, if you've had curious conversations for weeks and weeks about it, then you know, maybe it's appropriate to make the person feel in trouble and read them the things. Okay, maybe. But that's at the on the other side of a whole lot of open-ended curious questions that are getting to Okay, here's what went wrong. And even using the word wrong is not such a great word to use because, of course, it puts the person into you did something wrong, you're in trouble territory. Here's a situation that didn't go so well. Take me through that. What was that like for you? What was going on where the employees, given the benefit of the doubt, that certainly whatever they did made sense to them at the time, you know, which Note just that idea that when people do something that, that is not good, it makes, makes sense to them at the time. 
That makes sense, right? You realize that that idea can't exist without the idea that there's no such thing as evil. You see the connection there? If there's such a thing as evil, then sometimes people are doing no good for the sake of no good. Right? There's bad people who do bad things. But if you actually investigate, when people screw things up, there's usually a really good reason for it. Even if it's that they're upset or out of balance or, you know, overwhelmed. I mean, there's, there's good reasons and there's better reasons. There's bad reasons, but there's still reasons, you know? People are generally doing the best that they can in any given moment. So it seems like a, a, it would be a combination of telling and asking questions. Like you had us practice the telling of hard truths. Yep. So it would be a statement of, I saw that this happened, and then the asking of questions. Yeah. How this came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if something... There is, there is some telling. For sure. I mean, I'm not talking about playing the questions game. And that's a, it's a, it's a really good question. You want the artist to dial the right amount, the right blend of asking and telling for what they need. And this is sort of, this is going to sort of be my punchline for the day. The, the highest form of serving, whether it's as a therapist, a coach, a manager, if you're in a one-on-one serving kind of relationship, with someone teaching some teaching them kite surfing, whatever it is, the highest form of that is where you change who you're being to become exactly what they need you to be. That's the highest form of it. Because whether you're teaching someone algebra or metaphysics or martial arts or whatever it is, you show up as you, you bring you there. And we all have our own personalities and styles and idiosyncrasies and whatever. And have you noticed there are certain people that you can get along with better than others, right? Now, in a peer kind of way, you don't want to have friends that you have to become someone else to get along with, right? But sometimes in life, you know, for example, in, in professional world, you've got someone working, quote, for you who you wouldn't necessarily hang out with as friends, right? They have their different views. They're an expert in you know whatever it is they're an expert in. And you need them to do a great job. And they need you to be who they need you to be. So could that be more highlighting an aspect of yourself instead of being someone else? Sure. That's a nice way of saying it. Because okay. if, if you can't, if you can muster it, it must be in you somewhere. So that's actually a more Sam saves the day with the sophistication, of course, every time. But it's a more sophisticated way of saying it, but it has way less shock value than you have to become someone else, right? So you exaggerate or switch or move to a different kind of um, aspect of yourself. Because if it's totally false, then it's just going to look like you're acting. But think about, like, speaking of actors, think about actors with like incredible range, like Johnny Depp or Meryl Streep is a really great example where it's just like, wow, they're just, I, you have no idea who, what they're really like because in whatever role they are, they're completely that role, as opposed to like a Tony Danza or Tom Cruise, who's the same person every time. Or uh, Matthew McConaughey is a great example. He's starting to branch out. 
he was the same guy in every movie for a long time, and now he's starting to actually act. Or uh, Jim Carrey, another good example. He was the same guy every time. And then as they get, get older, they start to stretch themselves in some ways. But the, you know, the Jim Carrey in uh, Truman Show, for example, that version of him must have been in there in some way all along under the thick veneer of radically goofy that we saw in things like Dumb and Dumber, right? And that's, it's cool that you brought that up because that's where the journey of the manager gets really interesting because the, the people who challenge you the most are the ones who need aspects of you that are underdeveloped. And then they become your teachers in, in some way, right? So they challenge you to bring out qualities of you that are hard to express. So anytime a manager is saying, well, I've got this person who's really, really hard to manage, the first thing I would want to know is, what do they need from you that's hard for you to give them? And then how, it is, in yourself, how is it in your self-interest to give it to them? Does it connect somehow to something you don't like about yourself? And then that's a transformative journey for the manager. And then that's this, supporting from underneath. Who do I need to be for you? And that's incredibly difficult, depending on what the person needs. The manager is surrendering to a journey of becoming who the person needs. I'm, I'm using that phrase even though, as Sam corrected me, it's more sophisticated and true to say... Elicit from yourself qualities that are latent and underdeveloped, but it's hard to say. All I, I just make that distinction because of authority issues, <laughs> <laughs> because I like to be like, "No, man, I'm me." So it's gonna, yeah, you know, yeah, whoever that is, right? Yeah, and that's that, and that's part of the the holding. That that's part of what has to happen because in, if, to be able to do that, you've got to hold your own identity as a set of assumptions with an open hand, right? Well, this person needs me to be all warm and fuzzy and super caring. And that's just not who, who I am. I'm a no bullshit, say it straight kind of person, right? Whether you're holding your identity with a grip, it's like, okay, yes, that's your general style and it's worked for you and it worked for two thirds of the people you talk to. But some people need something else. Can you find that softer side of you? Or the complete opposite. Some people need to be told what to do. Right. So what most managers or what most people will tend to do, which is totally natural, is we draw people to us who resonate with our strengths. Right. And we like hanging out with them because it's like, yeah, I'm good at this and you're good at that and it fits in this way. And that's cool, like, you know, outside of work and even in a lot of work. But do you have people in your life who challenge you to show up in a different way? Now, no, these are not people you want to be having martinis with at 8 p.m. at night when you're exhausted and just want to kick back. Fine. But are you in a situation for an hour or two every day where you've got to, where you have to feel like you're having to become someone else who happens to be you? Because that's like an existential kind of challenge. I used to say to uh, when I trained coaches, I used to say, you want to have at least 10% of your client load be people who make you crazy, but not more than 10%. (laughs) 
because you'll learn the most from them. But if 100% of them are that, well, you'll just go crazy. Just like going to the gym, you know, just put all the weight on the bar and get underneath it. You're not going to get stronger that way. The last two reps of every set, yeah, they'd better hurt. So the 20, 10 or 20% of your reps, you know, oh, I feel really strong. This is good. If you stopped as soon as it started, oh, that's starting to hurt. Well, better stop, right? Wouldn't get any stronger. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.